Live from VentureX Studios, it's JP, Kathy, and the crew. Good morning. It is definitely Wednesday morning. We are excited oh. you have joined us. We're going to jump right in because, as you can see, we are running a little bit behind. And morning. we're already a mess. <laughs> it's been Friday all week. And I love watching the thing behind We're doing this. Ah, ah, ah. He's like, like, oh, what are they saying it's now? It's like there's electricity going on there. And then Kathy, of course, she's worried about the FCC. Oh, no. I just know it's. Fart, and no, she goes, it's ah. just. It's, I'm not. It's just not very ladylike. Mixed company discussion. I don't know. I don't know how it isn't. But we and Dr. Get... Goods, how do I always get in the middle of these? It's like she's the parent saying, I'm going to separate you two. So <laughs> let's jump right in. We've got to ask Dr. Begood with us. It's live with us on Sundays at 8 o'clock right here on the JPK Broadcasting Network. And so, Dr. Begood, what do you have for us from a pub ed standpoint? Well, you guys know my love of science, right? I talk about going on science walks with my four-year-old, almost five-year-old grandson. And... A headline caught my eye, and it said, latest science scores are out. The news isn't good for schools. And I thought, it's not good for kids then either. But um, And you all are familiar with the NAEP test. Uh, that's sort of the national assessment that they give every four years. Right. Yes. Um, um, what they're finding is that the fourth graders, the eighth graders, and the twelfth graders that they tested in science, um, fourth graders are not growing um, and, and actually falling back a little bit, and the 8th and 12th graders are fat, that means they're not growing. And and so that was comparing the 2015 to 2019 scores. Now, we all know the pandemic hit in 2020, and so this, this journalist is concerned because we've got already scores that were bottoming out between 2015 2019 what the heck is going to go on during this pandemic period right and that really caught my eye because science is the foundation of everything and in a lot of respects even math because you use a lot of math and science right and so making sure that we as parents and as educators continue to remember how to integrate science into our world is should be part of our work and so my challenge to parents and educators who are listening today is what can we do this summer to increase the relevancy of science with our kids, right? The, one of the things that I had, being PBO-minded like I am, I thought, well, you know, why don't we ask parents to sit down with their kids some right now, because some are already actually out of school. Some school districts will be out in the next, actually, Alice won't be out till the 19th of June, but they started late. But uh, why don't you sit down with your kids and say, we're going to do a summer project. And our summer project is we're going to sit down and talk about our summer eating, including snacks, and how can we approach summer eating from a nutritional standpoint, from a budgeting standpoint, from a shopping standpoint, recipes, and and then actually implementing that, and I I think that would be a very very good use of time. Think about uh, parents sitting down with their seven and ten year old kids, and it could be even five, even four year olds can take part in knowing and sharing what they like as far as their eating habits and what's good to eat and what's good for you and so forth. What tastes good versus what's you know healthy. All of those chats that can come with 
talking about food. And then we go and look for coupons after we've decided what our meal's going to be for this week, what our snacks are going to be. We look for coupons. We show the kids the uh, um, grocery store app and what coupons. Is there any coupons that go with our food shopping list that we've created from our recipes? And maybe if we can even do some nutritional value on some of that so that we can, again, have that total science environment Talk about relevancy, right? And then, then talk about the calories versus exercise and how can we get more exercise into our world this summer. And you know, we've had uh, really two school years impacted by this um, pandemic. How can we dust ourselves off and move forward sort of healthier and happier with understanding science better? What do you think of that idea? I, I love it. I, I think, um, you know, I'm hearing these reports and I'm looking at a lot of medical things out there. For example, they're saying women over the age of 50, um, fatty livers are becoming a real big issue from the pandemic. And you're looking at kids and these are kids who, um, I mean, my goodness, if I've got little kids, they're out rolling in the front yard or backyard rolling around in the dirt when, when the sun's shining for a specific amount of time every day and they're going out, you know, you've got free hiking trails everywhere. Um, that physical health and you know, you cannot separate physical health and mental health. And you've, you've got to have both of those components. And, and we've, the three of us have talked at length about the fact that during, from the pandemic, we haven't even seen the tip of the iceberg as far as the mental health crisis goes. And a lot of that ties back into all of this you're saying, which which goes back to physically taking care of yourself. And I love the kids at a young age being in on planning meals because those are kids who go off to college or trade school or whatever they do when they leave their parents' home, and they know how to plan a meal. They're not just saying, oh, well, a bag of chips, oh, that'll work. Well, you know, one of the things that as, as a parent, you know, one of the things to get your child engaged in cooking, um, you have to do fun different things. Yes. and. To try to make it methodical and I think too um, too detailed structured, you mean? Yeah, or, it could be yeah. rough for him. So with Katerina, um, she was a reporter and I was a famous yeah. chef, a French <laughs> yeah. chef, of course. And so, and then we would switch roles. Then I would become the the reporter, and she would be the French chef. And we started that when she was seven. Yep. And so mm -hmm. it was hilarious because I had a little step stool that she would step on when we were cooking spaghetti sauce, because we would make our spaghetti sauce homemade, right? From fresh tomatoes and fresh onions and peppers, whatever we'd put in it. And so she would get up there, get her little hat on with her little wooden spoon, and uh, she would just start trying to talk in French. <laughs> and we would make words up, you know. So it, we, we were able to include the science of measurement and the science of yeah. what goes to get, what's bitter, what isn't mm -hmm. bitter, um, with spices because we you would use fresh herbs and, and spices and so it was it's you can make it a lot of fun. Oh yeah. So invest some time and heart into it before you go to your kid and just go, hey, we're going to the grocery store, dude. So learning can be no. fun. What? <laughs> and that's why I was talking about it being a project, a family project where you don't have to do every single piece of it. Study you know recipes and the nutritional value and the caloric value and and all of that every time. But in weaving those in so they know how to do it is, I think, an important life skill that, oh, it's also good science and so forth. So other things to do would be to, of course, the easy go-to, the, the museum. 
and museums can be expensive, but they also have once a week, they'll have a, a lower yes. rate. And yep. You have your kids, if your kids are old enough to go online and research when the cheap days are to go to the zoo, to go to um, the Pearl Museum, to go uh, down to um, uh, Clyde Warren Park. I don't know how much you know about Clyde Warren. It's a fabulous Great place. Park that's literally over a, a highway, and they have different events there. They have splash pads. You can go in your bathing suit. You might look a little funny if you don't have a kid with you and you're, you know, you're, <laughs> but um, they do have just wonderful things. The city of Dallas in the last 30 years has grown into a very sophisticated urban environment that really work, works hard to cater to its population as far as entertainment as far as healthy parks, walking parks, I'm sorry, walking trails, bike trails, um, just all sorts of ways of getting out and getting physical. And so I encourage you to have your kids research that. And that's, of course, beyond the um, Bible study camps and the uh, park and rec camps and all of those that, that I think will be coming back this summer. It may be in a limited way. I say limited from both a not a lot of summer left because a lot of districts are going into the summer due to the late start. But also those are not as family oriented. You know, some, it's not, we should not just send our kids off to camp so that we get to be home and, and, you know, get to do our errand. Not all the time. We need to weave in that family time. And, and the, the huge piece that I always as parents to remember is the conversation that you need to continue having with your kids, right? And so um, maybe your kids are going to summer school this summer. A lot of kids are needed. Even kids that never had to go to summer school before, they're encouraged to go to summer school to make up that, to climb out of the the, the COVID uh, slide, right? And so asking your kids to tell you what they learn so that, first of all, they get used to having conversations with you about what they learn, but second, so that you can build on that learning. It's, especially when they're talking about um, science is a good one. Social studies is uh, one. In, in this uh, research that I brought to you today, they talked about that part of the reason why science scores are lagging is because they're not paid attention to as much. They're not given as much time, in uh, instructional time in schools, right? Well, and think of social studies even less, but uh, that's for another show. Um, but if we could be that science coach that, takes the learning that's happening in school and builds on it at home in, in relevant manner. Um, if, if they're talking about camouflage, then we go on a science walk and we look uh, animals and insects are camouflaging themselves from, from predators, right? And so we build on that constant instructional learning that's happening and we're having conversations with our kids and we are doing a lot of social-emotional stuff all at the same time. So get, you know, don't just think of camps as a place to send your kids away. Look for opportunities to also uh, build that family time together by being outside, by cooking together, by being silly together. You know, that's, that's wonderful. That, that relationship that comes from being silly together, it, it, those are the memories that kids take with them, right? Yes. They, those are the things they talk about later on those are family so, traditions for their family yeah, yeah that's good stuff so um just really really 
make sure that I know it's trite, I know it's cliche, you are your child's first teacher, and you may be sick of teaching, but that doesn't mean that you stop. It means that uh, you look at it in a different way, you understand that the talking with your kids, the constant caring through listening and caring through feedback, careful feedback, that's all part of the trust that kids build with their parents when it's done right. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Good, Good, good advice what's going always. on this Sunday? Because yeah. we're getting ready to break you up into a 12-minute segment. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, we, uh, we have we're bringing our favorite school nurse on to prepare us for uh, end of school and beginning of school. What vaccines do parents need to be doing during the summer? Because COVID is not the only vaccine out there. So just reminders for parents uh, what they can do this summer to have uh, a, a not so urgent school opening, right? A lot of parents wait for the last minute to do things that they should have done. There are a lot of grades that require uh, physicals and and so forth. So let's get that on your calendar early. Excellent. Get it done early. That's not something you have to think about uh, before, the week before school starts. So that's among other things. That those are the things we'll talk about in the Ask a Doctor Be Good show this time. All right. We'll there see you, you go. Sunday. Ask Dr. Be Good on Sunday. All right. All right. Thank you, Don't forget Thanks. to catch us on Spotify. Uh, you can catch the full hour show on Spotify at JP Kathy and the crew. We welcome you to get over that direction and, and join us for the full hour or on Facebook as well. Uh, but you can also go to YouTube if you just want to pick up what we talked about with Dr. Good or as we get ready to start talking about something very, very important uh, with a very special guest. And uh, so we definitely want to make sure that you have access to all of the different things uh, or all the different tools, not things. That's a word filler. Don't do that. All the different tools that are out there and at your fingertips. All right. So we are back live. We've got joining us now uh, Cody Weaver. Cody, good morning, first of all. Coffee with Cody. I need I need a shirt that says coffee with John. <laughs> Well, we do that every morning. Or coffee with JP. <laughs> we do that every morning. I like that. I went to coffee with Cody yesterday. Great turnout. Um, mixed crowd. Um, conservatives, independents, liberals, um, people all different ages, all different races. Yeah. Um, fantastic meeting yesterday. Well, and, and good for you for opening that, that kind of conversation and dialogue up. And, and everybody was respectful. They were. And people, See, uh, you now know, you're three steps ahead. Yeah, I am. Yeah, Grogu. Give us, give us oh, a feedback, no. Grogu. We need feedback oh, yeah, on yeah, Kathy's yeah. three, two steps. I like it. It's, this is our version of the Magic Eight Ball. Yeah, he just uh, said. JP yeah. goes to Grogu for opinions all the you time. You saw how short winded he was on that, right? <laughs> yeah. So, because it's one of only three sounds. So, he what makes. is Kathy talking about when she's saying things like, he opened up the door? There was a great mix of people yep. and a great mix of politics, a great mix of thought. Um, we're talking about critical race theory. Mm -hmm. That's what we're talking about. And uh, Cody represents uh, a school board. He's on a school board. And so critical race theory is something everybody's talking about. Right. And so yesterday he had a meeting, and that was part of the conversation. Yeah, and I want to clarify, I do, uh, so in my uh, presence here today, I'm Disclaimer. representing my own views today. Yes. I don't represent the well, I did the not tell them that you were a member so, of the Graham ISD school board. I appreciate that. <laughs> and uh, he's not, I, by I, the way. I might, have put, I might have put Plano ISD board oh, no, of trustees see, on see, Facebook. Cody, Cody, I had your back. See, <laughs> I appreciate that. I did not I just said that. a school board. Right. But, but he's here speaking you. on he's, his these own. These are my he's views. We need Lathan. Lathan, we need Lathan. We need legal opinion. So yesterday was billed as... 
a, a community event. It, it was not meant to be anything special. There were people that were there. They said to me, so when are you going to give your speech? And I said, oh, no, 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 this is not a speech. This is, you know, I'm an elected official. I, I answer to you, the public. I put this out in the yeah. public for anybody to come. And I had seven people that confirmed, about 25 people that showed up. Yeah, uh, Varying right. viewpoints. We had public school educators that are retired. We had uh, homeschool parents as well yes. that were interested. And we had yeah. just such a wide variety. And the whole point was, I'm one of your elected officials. You have questions. It's my job to answer those questions. If I don't have that answer, I need to get it for you. So here's what I would so like true. to do if we can. Mm-hmm. Um, because, again, we got a little bit of a late start this morning. Sure. So we got about six minutes in this segment left, okay. right? What is critical race theory? Why are school districts talking about it? Sure. And then we're going to break, of course. We'll have Angela Paxton come on from at 830. Yep. And we got you back at 845. Then we're right. going to dive into it. Okay. So uh, critical race theory is a legal framework. That's how it started. It grew out of the civil rights movement of the 60s. And so a lot of the critiques of the classical classical liberalism and uh, civil rights movement of the 60s was that it was incremental and it was not enough change. It wasn't fast enough. It wasn't radical enough. And so what I did, I've got my notes. All of my notes are direct quotes from the books. Um, The book that I've relied on most so far, and there's other books I need to read, is Critical Race Theory by Robert Delgado and John Stefancic. And so Robert Delgado is actually the head of law or a particular law um, department at the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa. So there's a law professor, there's somebody very involved, somebody that studied with... Uh, Derek Bell, who's one of the big names in critical race right. theory at Harvard. Right. And so um, this this is a very, very big movement. And the just to quote what they say, it says the, the CRT movement is a connection or a collection of activists and scholars engaged in studying and transforming the relationship among race, racism, and power. So what and so let's go back to the keyword transforming, mm-hmm. right? In what way? Like what are we talking about? So we're talking about a bunch of things. We're talking about um, the way that people see themselves. There's, there's a couple key themes to this, and I think one of the key themes that stood out to me most was uh, a term called structural determinism. Now, structural determinism says that we lack the structures and vocabulary to uh, fix any redresses or to even redress any of the issues that people face. And for, for them in particular, they say people of color. And so that means we, if the structures in place don't work to fix the problems, we need to tear those down, switch them out with what they don't really tell you. And then the vocabulary, this is where I've seen the, the biggest jump, especially in Ibram X. Kendi's How to Be an Anti-Racist. This, they're inventing words and they're redefining words. And there's this semantic overload that they put on certain words that we've all come to know. That way they can use it how they need to use it, whenever they need to use it. So like truth, I can't say truth anymore. I have to say facts because there's your truth, there's her truth, my truth, your your lived yeah. experience truth. And there's we've all talk, these. We've talked about that. How okay? So this is my social media truth. This is the news's truth. This is this particular news versus that particular news. And so, you're right. The facts get lost. So you've got to be very specific and deliberate in your your yeah. choice of words. Well, one of my you know biggest concerns of critical race theory is its attack on objectivity. And so they say, uh, Ibram X. Kendi is quoted as saying that objectivity is just collective subjectivity. There's no such thing as objectivity. And so if there's not, you need to replace it something. And what what is a replacement? Truth. But who's truth? Yeah, very interesting. So this goes back to the second part of my question. That's why I asked transformation, right? Yeah. First, what is CRT? Mm -hmm. Um, And then number two, how is it impacting us? Why why in our schools? Mm -hmm. You know, why is it coming to our schools? It's coming to our schools because that's 
the, the people that created this theory, that's where they want it. It's about not just transforming our schools, it's about transforming the country into what is the big question. And they, uh, one of the goals, stated goals that they have in the book is to turn us into a polyglot, or po- polyglot uh, society. And so that just means a multilingual society. And that doesn't sound like a bad thing. And I, well, it isn't a bad thing for people to know different languages. That's not the total end goal. It's, it's yeah. about changing the power. And so uh, in the next segment, I'll talk about what it talks about in the conclusion and what they say, the future of CRT. And they even say this is the stated agenda of CRT. So I don't have to tell you my opinion. Literally, I can tell you, that's what it there, says right out of the book. The, the subheader okay. is the critical race theory agenda. And the last chapter is the future of critical race theory. They know where they want to go with this. Okay. And this isn't, you're not going to get my opinion today. You're going to get what they write in their books in black and white. Well, I mean, you know, as long as Sir Newton was only thinking of math, but what else would his agenda be, right? I mean, we have to go back that far to scholars and find out, did they have agendas or were they just discovering science and math? You know, and so when we say things like a CRT agenda, I get concerned about things like that. When that, The word agenda has gone from back when I was a teacher to, okay, I'm the lead special ed teacher at Plano East, and here is my agenda, to now I've got a negative connotation when I hear agenda. Uh, again, words and the way they make you feel have changed with the times. I don't know how that is. But now when I hear agenda, I automatically go to something negative. And one of the things, um, even maybe after the show or or on the, the next segment, if somebody wants to learn more about this, which books did you choose? Which books should they choose? Uh, choose obviously this this book on the top looks like the one that I'm going to be reading. Yeah. So if if you don't have a lot of time to read and study because you got a job and you're raising a family, what would be the one book you would recommend? I, I mean, if if you don't have a lot of time, um, I would actually say just because it's more in the narrative form, I would okay. say Ibram X Kendi, How to Be an Anti Racist, because I what I found okay. is that book pretty much um, Ibram X Kendi took his life story and he, he read critical race theory an introduction and he pretty much took an autobiography put the critical race theory framework on it and boom you've got a critical race theory life story and okay. that's how he's created his whole brand of anti-racism and okay. so I, I think one of the things that I'm going to be trying to explain to people is the connection between CRT and how to be an anti-racist and you have all of this anti-racist curriculum that's being pr- promoted okay. there's articles from the National School Board Association that I've read Th- this is it's, it's in black and white now it's no longer somebody's opinion the, they're it's, trying to press this into the schools it, right. and the teachers. Yeah, right. so you can see it, but I would say How to Be an Anti-Racist by okay. Max Kendi because that even takes it much further. It takes CRT into practice and it's even scarier. Well, I know that some of the things that I've seen come out of CRT, uh, workshops, um, workbooks, mm-hmm. worksheets, mm-hmm. essays to be written, um, they all start with extreme inflammatory language. And what I think is funny about the whole movement right now is that it's all about language, right? And so if a conservative uses a certain type of language or if a theory that doesn't run along the same lines as especially this objectivity is nothing more than a collective of... of um, subjectivity. Thank you, subjectivity. Yeah. Wow, yeah. right? Um, then you're hateful. But if we use the language ourselves as a CRT agenda, well, that's not hateful language. And so it's like, how does a fifth grader react to angry, hateful language and then write an essay about it? And how are we, you know, my big question is, how are we promoting any kind of form of let's be America versus we've got to be segmented out? I remember when I was growing up, 
and every decade is different, right? I, we were a um, we were a salad, is what we were in America, right? Before me, it was a melting pot, right? Uh, and so you had to, you envision this big melting pot of this metal and fabrics coming in and all being blended together and pouring into this wonderful great thing. Well, For there me, was a school there was a um, Schoolhouse Rock song that I grew up with, and it was the Great American Melting Pot. Right. You know, that was good stuff. That's what I grew up with. Right. And then, like I said, I grew up with the salad, right? Yeah. And that there's all kinds of pieces that go into the salad, and we're all different. but And we all carry our own individuality, but we come together as one really nicely, right? E pluribus unum. Right. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's very interesting that we're now in a totally different way where we are definitely breaking things down. So, all right, stay with us. Cody Weaver will be joining us at 845 as well. Um, we're going to uh, break and, and bring in now Senator Angela Paxton with us. She is back down in Austin. Of course, this is our Senate Minute. Uh, don't forget you can catch a full hour of us on Spotify or on Facebook at J.P. Kathy and the crew on Spotify and J.P.K. Broadcasting on Facebook. And so... Um, don't forget to catch us there. You can also catch segments of us. If you want to just catch this segment, then you can catch it on our YouTube page at JP Kathy and the crew. So good morning, Senator Paxton. Good morning. How are you? Man, as Kathy would say, <laughs> yeah, we're rocking, rocking and, and rolling, rolling and whatnot. <laughs> How are you is the question. How many days? I mean, we're, we're like in the five-day countdown to sign and die. Wednesday. Today is that right? Is today Wednesday? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really. Know for sure. um, you know, it, it is kind of funny, uh, and I know both of you have watched uh, the legislature for a long time, and so this isn't um, something you're unfamiliar with. But they're, you know, they're calendar days. We all know what that means, uh, but they're also legislative days, and it depends on, you know, there are times where we have we'll recess and then we come back, or we adjourn. And when you adjourn, then you're ending that legislative day. And so so sometimes a legislative day can go on for more than 24 hours. <laughs> and then you'll, and, and so there are times on the floor when uh, the members will be looking at each other and we'll say, you know, it's, for example, today, it's Wednesday, we'll go, is today Tuesday or Wednesday? So I think, uh, anyway, Good times, good times. Well, so what what do we have to look forward to? Um, what are what what do you think will be done in these last few days? Um, what are some updates? And especially, um, you know, we've got uh, Cody Weaver on um, set with us today from um, uh, the Plano ISD board, representing himself and his own opinions today. But you know, education's been a huge topic. We had Dr. Good on earlier, who's you know she she's got a show on all things public ed. What can we expect in education here in the last few days? Any surprises? Anything that's going to be added on to an already existing bill? Well, uh, we've got the big education bill um, that Senator Taylor uh, is is carrying. That is, you know, partly kind of a uh, it's the follow up. Uh, sometimes we call these cleanup bills, but. Um, kind of a, a follow-up bill, a honing bill, maybe is, a, is another way to look at it, from HB3 uh, from last session, which was 
you know, a massive overhaul of education funding and and a lot of reform measures for performance and, and all of that. So there are a lot of things, of course, that over the interim we looked at and we, you know, there are things that sometimes have unintended consequences, sometimes things that you realize were overlooked, um, sometimes things that you see that's working and it would work even better if, and so there are a lot of those types of measures. Of course, in the interim, we also have the whole COVID thing with the schools. And so there are a lot of things um, uh, related to that. There's a tremendous amount of federal funding coming in um, related to COVID for our schools. Most of that will be directed to uh, the Title I schools, the schools that um, you know have larger numbers of students with better on free and reduced lunch. And, um, you know, but there have been some exciting um, things that I think we've looked at. We are looking at how to make sure that when we educate virtually that it's done really well. And, you know, that's not something that had happened to any great extent prior to COVID. But I think we all see that while we want our kids in the classroom in person, that there is a real place for virtual learning, but it needs to be done well. And we've learned a lot about what works and what doesn't. So um, there's, there's uh, you know, some things in that direction. Another thing that um, I'll, I'll bring up is that um, there's, there was a lot related to curriculum that was um, passed in the, in the Senate and I think in the House, a number of those things that relate to schools um, related to curriculum, for example, making sure that we are teaching American history and what it is that makes America unique and special and a push, a real, a, a real statement against um, uh, the, I know your, your listeners are familiar with the, the concept of critical race theory. Yes. Um, we were, we were up all night uh, the other night passing that in the, in the Senate. And basically um, you know, critical race theory, for all of its, um, you know, claims to be about eradicating racism, it teaches racism. It really does. And uh, I was talking with Senator Hughes, who laid that bill out for about five hours, I think, um, overnight, Monday night, maybe. Again, I don't remember what, <laughs> what day we're on, but... But, you know, I, I actually engaged in a little bit of the discourse on that bill as a teacher myself. Um, but in that bill, it says, it basically says teachers shall not teach that one race is superior to another. That's part of the critical race theory. And, you know, um, one of the things I, 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 Senator Hughes and I were talking about is, you know, if you're, if you're against critical race theory, um, proponents of that will say that you're racist, right? But but I told that I told Senator Hughes, I said, under critical race theory, whether you're for it or against it, you're racist. Because if you're for it, then you, basically it it is, well, you're acknowledging you're racist. If you're for critical race theory, because it's like everyone's everyone's all white people basically are racist. It's like you can't not be. And then if you're against it, you're racist because you're against it, right? So um, it's a, a big thing. Another thing that um, has 
we were able to pass through the Senate. I, I don't know how it ended in the in the House, but is um, protecting girls' sports also uh, related to education? Yes. Yes. And um, and so we were able to pass that in the Senate. Um, that was a, a big priority for us. Well, and that was one of the questions one of our crew members right. had was, um, will we be able to pass a bill to stop the transgender? Uh, part of it is the the in sports with with women. And Kathy and I talked about this on Monday, Senator Paxton, with the Connecticut Interscholastic Athletic League and the and lawsuit the that's in the Second in, Court of yeah. Appeals now. Um, but one of the other questions that's come out is, are we going to be able to stop transgender and mutilation of children? Well, and I don't know where that landed in the House last night, and that's really the question. We passed it in the Senate. Um, and so, um, you know, I, and if you will allow me just a moment, like, well, allow me. I take it anyway, don't I? Like, <laughs> Your family, um, it's all good. <laughs> well, one of the things last night that we also passed, um, and I got to I got to carry this bill and and uh, push it across the finish line, and that was um, it was uh, the companion to my Senate Bill Nine, House Bill Twelve Eighty, Capriglio, on the Human Life Protection Act, passed last night. And oh, excellent. So that is the bill that should the Supreme Court overturn Roe v. Wade, um, that within 30 days uh, that law will go into effect because that would return abortion lawmaking authority to the states. Right. And we are we are stating this is where we are. Abortion will be illegal in Texas should it be returned to the states 30 days after um, any such case um, uh, is decided now. When I passed Senate Bill 9 on the House floor at the end of March, March 30th, I believe, um, we were we were we all knew that we had a new Supreme Court composition, right, that made this possible. But last night, when I passed this bill, the the reality is is more in view because now there is a case, there is such a case before the Supreme Court, a Missouri case, um, that basically, as I understand it, would rule on it would explore the kind of the pre-viability types of um, abortion laws that we can, you know, that's kind of been a, a, a touch point on um, a lot of the abortion restrictions that we've been able to enact over the years. But um, we do have a case before the Supreme Court that could overturn Roe v. Wade. And so last night, we may have put Texas in a position to protect human life from conception until natural death. Well, there we go. Yeah. I, I, and, you know, this is all these things I like, um, especially, you know, from the Senate side, there have been a lot of things, and, and we really appreciate you bringing this to the show on a weekly basis because we know your time is just just jam-packed. Um, but y'all have done a lot of things proactively because we only meet every two years, um, you know, in, as, as a legislative body. So y'all have done things proactively, not knowing what's going to happen, as, for example, at the Supreme Court level with some of these things. That way, Texas is in a better place to let Texans determine the course of how Texans are going to live. Well, and on this, this issue in particular, because we only meet every other year, um, you know, that my, my understanding is that the court is likely to rule on this um, by next June. 
So we would still have another, you know, six months before uh, we would be back in session uh, in order to make a law in response to that. So what this bill does is it sets us up so that should that happen, that immediately life will be saved. And, um, you know, I was talking to my chief of staff after we finished the bill last night, uh, Randy Samuelson, and he said, you know, there was a hush in the room when you sat down, not because of what I said, but because of the impact. And all I said was I moved final passage of House Bill 1280, the Human Life Protection Act. Wow. There you go. So powerful. Well, Senator Paxson, thank you for that. I think it was sacred. Yeah, I think it was a sacred moment. Well, it took a lot of people, right? Yeah, Uh, sure. One person can't pass. One person can't pass anything. Um, You know, it was uh, frustrating to watch. I was watching the House because the Every Mother Matters Act was on the calendar. Uh, They didn't get to it last night, which means it's dead. And um, that's frustrating because the you know the House gaveled out on. Thursday and two days of calendar didn't happen, and that bill could have come up. Of course, it could have been scheduled for the floor earlier too. And um, you know, that's one of that will be one of my frustrations and one of my uh, disappointments for the session is that that bill didn't make it through the house, and it could have. So, Senator Paxton, we have some questions from the crew. I don't know if you can have somebody from your staff go on and look at the feed and maybe answer some of them. One of them is about Antifa and BLM. Be able Collin to shut County, down traffic yeah. in Collin County, and you know, are we addressing that at a state level? Um, so, some things like that. But um, we just can't thank you enough for joining us here, and yeah, you've hopefully, done you'll such be able to join us job. again next Wednesday. Yeah. Well, this is our this is our last uh, meeting for the session, so um, it's been great to be able to connect throughout the session. Thanks for helping be a megaphone for what matters <laughs> in the Texas legislature right now. Thanks for also being a megaphone to me so I can I can stay in touch with things in an, in an additional way. So appreciate what y'all do, and I hope you have a great day. Keep praying. This is the last day on the floor. Encourage people to keep praying and watching for the final passage of the things they care about. Absolutely. Thank Sounds you good. so much, Senator. Uh, God bless you, and we appreciate your service, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks. Thank you, Senator Paxton. All right. So, again, don't forget to catch us on Spotify uh, at J.P. Kathy and the crew. Full hour show there. You can catch us also on Facebook Live, even though we're being shadowed by Facebook. So don't let them close us out. Get out there and find us and know that we're on Mondays at 730. There's a little bell you can and hit. Wednesday. I'm not going to stop talking. Oh, Wednesday you can keep, you can keep going. to 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. And Friday <laughs> from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. as well. Well, there's a little bell that you can hit that says get all notifications, all live notifications, because I didn't even, and I've checked that on my Facebook page. But because I was in um, admin as JPK Broadcasting Network, it didn't send it to me. So test us, test this out for us on Friday. Of course, we'll have some fun Friday. This is a very serious, very uh, you know topic heavy day. But when we're having some fun on Friday, and we've got JP and I've been passing back pictures of car seats from the '60s and '70s. How did all of it? How did we all live? 
Uh, like, I'm just going, this is like, uh, you know, I said you'd have a better chance of tying your toddler up to the bumper or, or to the to the roof of the Yours car. Yours was the roof. Mine and was the back he bumper. said, I think the back bumper would have been safer. Well, if you had a front impact, you know, the child has a better chance of living from there the back you go. end. So, so um, not that we're advocating for that. Oh, my goodness. But, yeah, but yes, check the are. little notification thing on Facebook. You can always no, we catch really us are. on YouTube and Spotify and no, other things like really that. No, we really are. So. Don't let Kathy distract you. We are. What? All right, we've got Cody Weaver. We've got Cody Weaver this morning joining us. Um, Of course, we split the segment. We're back with Cody. We're talking critical race theory. All right, Cody, we've opened the bag. We've talked about what it is, what they're saying about it. Dude, what are they doing? What are they doing? That's a great question. I'm going to skip to uh, some of the stuff that I learned in the conclusion chapter. And so, you know, you got to ask, there's a lot of things they're trying to do. Uh, They're focused also on class. And so it's not all about race. There's actually a parable or story that they offer, and they say, what if the perfect training was offered that eradicated racism? Racism is gone. We're now in a post-racial society. And then the question at the end of that is, would people of color be any better off? And so, Interesting. Okay. And so what that leads to and what they're showing is that even if there was, racism was gone, that there's still going to be this classism. And they, they talk about some things that are historically accurate and true. And that's one of the interesting things about the critical race theory. They take things from history that are absolutely true. There's nuggets of truth in here, absolutely. Right. It's the end result and call to action and their radical conclusions that are the problem. And so okay. that, that's, you know, that's why when you say you're against critical race theory and somebody says you're a racist and say, no, 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 I, I'm not against the history, you know, we need to teach history of Jim Crow. We need to teach oh history of slavery. That, that's part the of Holocaust, our history. All the of Holocaust, all of that stuff, absolutely. You know, th- there was a time in America where the judicial system was institutionally racist. We yes. had racist laws, yes. absolutely. Well, that and needs I, to be and I'm not opposed, Cody, <clears throat> from turning around and teaching it from the perspective of a young black person growing up during that time frame. Right, like Frederick Douglass. Yeah, absolutely. Booker I have yes. Washington. Absolutely. Yep. I have no problem with that framework. But I don't really care for Nicole Hannah-Jones' opinion of something she wasn't there to experience 200 years ago, but she thinks her opinion's more important than Frederick Douglass. Right. That, that to me, that's not educating students. It's the difference between teaching critical thinking and teaching them what, what to think versus right. how to think. Yes. And so this material and what critical race theory does, it's teaching them what to think. There is no critical race theory. Here is the answer. And if your essay does not include a component, uh, a racial component, then you've done it wrong because everything in America is about race. Every problem includes a racial component. And so if you don't have that, then you're going to get dinged points. That's that's a problem. It, well, and I have a problem as, as, as a mom and as, as a former teacher, I would have a really hard time grading that way. Um, it just... And then basically I'm telling, okay, put this, this, and this in your paper, and then I'm going to give you this grade instead of saying, hey, think for yourself. Yeah. Well, and, and for me, when it comes to the students, I think there's, you know, when we talk about this, there, there needs to be a detachment from the students and the teachers. If a teacher uh, or if a student is learning something at home, if their, te- their parents are a little more um, left-leaning or even if their parents are socialists and they right. teach that at home and they learn Leninist Marxist ideology and they put together a very coherent essay and make a really good argument, right. I think that they probably deserve an A-plus on that paper if they wrote an A-plus paper. The same being said of a student that comes from a much more conservative background and writes something that follows our founding principles. If it's right. a coherent argument and it meets the prompt of the essay, they should get a good grade. 
it's when a teacher teaches with bias that we have the problem. Yeah. It, yeah. It's it, you can you do get bias at home. I mean, I, I've talked to rabbis and priests and other people yes. that, at private schools, and they say. We get paid to teach with bias at Jewish day school. We get paid to teach with bias at Catholic school. Yeah. Teachers get paid to not teach with bias. Right. And so that's where parents get you know, right. nervous. So w one of the things I want to touch on on um, critical race theory, they say uh, that they will need to clarify the relationship between race and class as separate but overlapping vectors of disadvantage. And also that above all, they will need to marshal every conceivable argument, exploit every chink, crack, and glimmer of interest convergence, I'll touch on that in a second, to make these reforms palatable to a majority that only at a few times in history has seen it fit to tolerate them. Then they will need to assure through appropriate legislation and other structural measures that the reforms cannot easily be undone. This may necessitate making connections with counterparts in foreign countries. So we're talking about giving away our sovereignty to create laws that are un really unconstitutional, that go against our founding principles and values. And they know they need to exploit different aspects. And so what one of the key themes of critical race theory is Dr. Bell's or Dr. Derek Bell's uh, interest convergence theory. And what that says is the only time that people of color have advanced or seen any progress in America is when it aligned with the interest of white elites. No other times, and they use Brown versus Board of Education as an example. Uh, yeah, that, but that, of course that's, what, that's what that's what came, came yeah. to mind. And of course, they do. there's well, no and altruism. And then stuff, some of the stuff <laughs> yeah, you're talking no, about, no. yeah, some of the stuff you're talking about, Cody. You know, right now, and we've talked about this. JP and I've talked about this for oh gosh, the past two years on the show at least. That being patriotic is is like that's a bad thing now. So to me, some of this again, takes away from that patriotism. I grew up in the, you know, in the 70s. I remember to this day, one of my favorite commercials, the, the Bicentennial, the, the, the um, 1976 Coca-Cola commercial, and everybody was in red, white, and blue, and there was Uncle Sam and Betsy Ross, and everybody's cheering, and everything's you know, happy, and it's all red, white, and blue, and American flags, and people from all walks of life, all ages, all colors, all religions were in this commercial, and it was, it was a good thing to have pride for your country. Mm -hmm. Well, my goodness, does that just literally teach it out of schools? Yeah, well, and this is this is where that big disconnect comes because I, you know, I hate when um, th they deliberately say critical race theory that they are a departure from cl right. classical liberalism or liberalism in general, and so a lot of my Democrat friends are more liberal or subscribe right. to liberalism, which includes a neutral standard of the Constitution and, you right. know, objective standards of merit, the, these things that society all agrees on. And CRT is a departure from that. And so knowing what it is, recognizing it, it's one of the hardest things because they make it intentionally malleable. And they, they even say, and I'll read this line later, uh, that, you know, people progress it and don't even know they're doing it. And that's the beauty of what they're doing. They, they've already integrated into, so much. Yeah, that agenda? Yeah. Okay. And, and so it's, it's already there. And I, and I wanted to touch on the subjectivity aspect that we're talking about because I wanted to take it to its logical conclusion. And so when you have the subjectivity and it's just, you know, objectivity is what we all agree on, you take that to natural law. Now, natural law is natural law because God created nature and we can observe nature. And during the Enlightenment, that's what we did. We observed nature, science grew, understanding grew. And so we have these Enlightenment philosophies and principles. If natural law is no longer objective, then, and it's subjective, God doesn't exist. And so 
their notion of objectivity is anti-God. Well, this is where I was getting ready to go. What, what this really comes down to, and what I'm reading and understanding, is this is a modern-day form of Leninism mm-hmm. and Stalinism, is what it really is. And it's this impressionist approach to this communist theory that's really transforming into, well, it's race, not politic. That's the edge of the problem. But the push, when you read what they're doing, when you read the worksheets that are out there, like I went on and read a series of worksheets being put out by middle school teachers. It's not about race. It's about a beatdown over and over again on a certain political approach to how we want these children to think Mm -hmm. as they get out of high school. And again, I go back to how Lenin did his, how did Lenin spread so quickly back in the day, literature through school oh, propaganda, yeah, right, and and so that's my biggest issue with yeah. it. Number one, number two, is it comes back to what Cody said a minute ago. It all comes down to classism. It really does. All of this other stuff is noise. It comes down to the ten percent of the people in this world that own ninety percent of the resources and that are running are it not all. going to yeah. allow that control to go away. And they have a lot to say about that 10%. Oh, I'm sure they do, but it doesn't matter. That 10% is what is allowing them to do this, to keep things shaken up Mm -hmm. so nobody focuses on the redistribution appropriately through a competitive market, through one being able to fight its way up the the ladder of, of, of marketing or of capitalism or of entrepreneurship or saving your money and climbing that financial ladder. Well, and the irony of that, there's big attacks on capitalism and what they call hypercapitalism in this. And I'm like, I've never heard <laughs> of hypercapitalism. <laughs> What's that? Well, it's a, it's a Marxist term. Oh, it very much so. Uh, it's a Marxist term. And there it is. And it was like, that's not my opinion. When I went to look up that word, and I'm like, that's, I don't know that word. What is that? What is it? It's a Marxist term. So hypercapitalism it has flourished in China. So you, you take a communist. How's that working for, for Trump, communist China? Mm. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Surprisingly well, yeah. actually. When you have authoritarian control and then also free market. What they not call free, market. free Well, what the, they call free market. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. The hypercapitalism comes out of that, yeah. right? Because it's not a free market at all. Yeah. And so what they've done is they've taken this authoritarian government yeah. and they've linked it to what they're calling free market, which is nothing more than them professing hypercapitalism controlled by them. Again, the Red Bank of China yeah. is controlled by the government. Oh, yes. Well, and I would say, you know, because we're talking about these themes, the Leninists, the Marxists, if you just look at the covers of the books, just looking at the branding. So this first one is white, black, and red, mm-hmm. very reminiscent of the Nazi flag. I'm a yeah. Jew. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I know what a Nazi flag looks uh, uh, right. like. Right. You, you go to how to be an anti-racist, and it's got kind of this washed-out brush stuff. It's got the black, you know, yellow, red. And then you get to Derek red, Bell faces yep. at the bottom of the well, black, white, and red. Um, kind of fascist looking. Then you get two foundations of critical race theory. Bring me education. the sickle, baby. You know, hammer and sickle right here. This is the so- <laughs> yeah, USSR the right here. And then you have critical race theory, the key writings that form the movement, black, white, black, and red. Vibrant, I mean, yeah. I, d- I don't know if they just ran out of colors or, oh, yeah. you know, what was going on with the printer. <laughs> the messaging is clear. The messaging well, is clear. They're not well, hiding and the and ball. Again, and you so just have to read the books. It, and right. again, it goes back to, it looks like, um, you know, and, and we recommend the crew. We'd love to hear, I mean, everybody's putting their opinions out here. Um, you know, this is this is basic 
propaganda. And the, what's scary is we've already got a, a generation of kids who literally go to social media, whatever they're meeting, TikTok, Twitter, whatever the Instagram, wherever they get it every morning, and they know what they're going to be upset about. It's like we've raised these robots. I'm going to be mad about this today. Well, then this feeds into this, and my concern, especially, you know, as a former teacher and as a mom, where are we teaching people to think for themselves? It's okay if I don't agree with you and I don't agree with you. It actually makes it fun when JP and I don't agree. Right. So because we're free thinker, we right. we are able to think on our own. Or because, just loud mouth. Yeah, well, both probably. <laughs> yeah. But again, so what what happens? Do you raise a society of basically robots who get their marching orders from social media at the beginning of the day, and it's the the just elite that's just the top of the food chain that gets to push that down their throats because well. We've had how many people have hopped on our feed today and said, "Did y'all not start until eight twenty-five? Because right. I didn't get a notification." Or again, well, we're being shadowed. So. Yeah, so but it's here, scary. But here's it's the thing. happening. And Cody, I'm going to steal your thunder for a second, please, because um, I'm older than you and I lose my mind. No, please. <laughs> so, but but Kathy, it's not about at all an organized get into a line. This isn't a utopian push. Oh, gosh, no. That's so what I'm that, saying. This is a, a bad push. But this that's is a, not a utopian But, but lining society. up everybody doing the only thing, Gattaca is the movie I was thinking of. That's more of a utopian push, right? That's this that, is animal farm. Well, <laughs> but, or worse. And what I mean by that is this. They need everything to be gray in the regular person's life. They want it to be cold, standing in line, relying on the government to hand out a sack of potatoes, a roll of toilet paper, and your your basic needs, and that's all you get. And Pandemic's they want, done this to us, too. They want that chaos. They want that discomfort. They want people to be upset with they each other fear. about their plight yes. in life yeah. because they want them to rely on that 10%. Yeah. Well, they want them to rely on the government, too, because that's who that yes. 10% is going to be. Yep. Well, absolutely. Yep. God is gone, and you rely on the government, and the government's all that can give you. And the government's the end-all, be-all for you, well, yes. And so I, I wanted to say on, you know, what, what are they saying in terms of their own notion of critical race theory? And they say that it's already embedded. It's embedded itself so thoroughly in academic scholarship and teaching that its precepts become commonplace, part of the conventional wisdom. And they said th this may and, in fact, is already happening, and it says, consider how many disciplines, scholar, or disciplined scholars, teachers, and courses profess almost incidentally to embrace critical race theory, and then consider how many influential commentators, journalists, and books develop, develop critical themes while hardly mentioning their origins in critical thought. Yeah, and that's where it comes from. And I, and I was going to take this one step further. You know, Cody, you mentioned, hey, I'm a Jew. I know what a, a Nazi flag looks like, right? Yeah. Okay, this is... It's folding over into what looks like an Israeli-Palestinian issue. Mm -hmm. from, I mean, it, this is Palestine and Israel right here. Critical I mean, race we should theory. be very, we should be very concerned, and we should be very aware of this. That's why, you know, I, I really appreciate it at your um, meeting yesterday, or your. It was just, it was a discussion. It was just a great discussion, and at the end, a gentleman said. At the end of the day, CRT, bullying, all the different issues you touched on, which was a ton of issues yesterday, he said, this all comes down to inclusion. He said, and you know what? We've just got to figure a way to work together, even though we don't all agree on everything. We come from different walks of life. And I thought, 
wow, now that's powerful because there were people who did not agree in that room with you or with me or with, or with each other, but everybody had the common goal of doing what's right for our greatest resource, which is our kids. Well, and one of the people that did not agree at the end was saying, well, we need to call it something else because critical race theory, that's got too much. And it's like, yes, we do. We need to come together and talk about what we agree yes. with and then call it something else yes. because critical race theory is not the thing. Yeah. That's, it's yeah. just not, and, and to have them show up and show up in opposition and then it started as a debate it ended as a conversation with many people contributing and it it could not have gone any better it's the type of conversation that we need to have in our communities which is why i put the event on in the first place and i want to make it monthly i want my opposition to come because i want to have those conversations and either i'll learn something and i'll change or they'll learn something and they'll change and they don't have to be your opposition because at the end of the day everybody who was sitting in that room was all about the kids and our future and us working together. And when you and when you come together, you are going to solve them. You're going to have sol- you know issues that solve bullying. You're going to have issues that solve racism. But you have to talk and have right. a conversation and, like and you started yesterday. Opposition or not, you're still my neighbor. We still have to share absolutely. a community. Well, absolutely. And, and again, we yes. want all of the opposition because that's the only way the marketplace of ideas grow. Yes. And yeah. I've argued this. See, it's funny. People have, have criticized me for putting stuff out by meme, like on voting and police and they get upset, and I said, why? You've just contributed to the marketplace. Without contributing to the marketplace, the marketplace doesn't grow. Right. And aren't we supposed to all be about the marketplace of ideas, whether we agree with them or not, so that those ideas can be out there and we can grow the intellect of our community and still continue to move forward, unlike places in South America that have not, yeah. that have gone backwards? Really? Come on, help me out. Don't have time <laughs> to develop the idea of Palestine and Israel, but where I was going with that is, is that with way critical race theory is being pushed down our throats, it's going to create a divide as divided as Israel and Palestine. And, and it, it's We don't it's want to move backwards else. in society. We're, we're, we've, we've gone too far. We've fought too hard. We don't want to move backwards. We want to move, you know, move forward and work together. No, and and that was what everything's all about. Netanyahu let him come over and take oh. business. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, nice. We suggest, and we're going to have Cody on again because this is such a big topic. Um, would also, you know, like to get your opinion on bullying and talk about some of the ideas that came out of the meeting yesterday. Um, it, how do people find about about uh, coffee with cody and how do they follow you on social media uh, i'm on facebook uh facebook it's uh just if you type in cody weaver it's my public figure yep. page and it's got a little cartoon vector of me and then if uh, you're on uh, instagram i believe it's cody weaver pisd7 excellent all excellent. right cody thanks so much for coming out and joining Pleasure. us this morning yeah Thank good you. stuff Man, we appreciate you yeah. we got to get all this right. guy reelected. hey so mrs weaver thanks for giving birth to this one yeah. <laughs> we appreciate you thanks mom <laughs> thanks mom i love that she's doing real mom. well with all our kids <laughs> he's like hey dad was a part of that all right everybody have a blessed day come back on friday we're gonna you know because little carter and i are hanging out we're gonna start testing some of this safety stuff with cars and old stuff. I seriously had it. I'm gonna have fun it. with this. Oh my goodness, we were sending each other I can't back. Wait. I was like, and remember this? It was the rocking horse that literally would take like chunks of the inside of your thigh out when you rode on it. Oh yeah, you're oh. see, you're not in your fifties yet. <laughs> so we were like, okay, how did we have these toys and we survive? And we're gonna talk about that on Friday. <laughs> it's gonna be fun. All right, everybody have a blessed day. We'll see you on Friday. Love y'all.